our 2020 Michigan football preview next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Here's Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure from second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. win the championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast, with next week being our first official game week, and yes, it is confirmed now, the Wolverines will play at Minnesota at night, nationwide audience on ABC TV, because you know, those are the settings Michigan football thrives in. On the road, at night, against ranked teams. So with next week, game week, this is the week to lay out our predictions and our preview for the 2020 season. And I can't think of a better way than to gaze into the crystal ball. And what was revealed to me, the following 10 things that will or won't happen with Michigan football in 2020. Number one, or number 10, if you want to start in descending order, Michigan We'll have at least one game canceled this season because of COVID. And yes, we're looking at you, Rutgers. If anybody is going to mismanage this in our league, if anybody's going full Tennessee Titans, Florida Marlins in our league, let's face it, we know it's Rutgers. Number nine, I think Joe Milton will surpass Shea Patterson's 56.2% completion percentage last season, which, by the way, was dreadful. Dreadful by today's college football standards. Uh, Somewhere around 100th or something in the country last year. Dreadful. 
And even though accuracy was the knock on Milton from a scouting report perspective when he came out of high school, I think he'll still do better than that. He better. Or we're in trouble. Number eight. Cade McNamara will play meaningful snaps at quarterback this season. See, I think we're sleeping on this young man. Go watch his tape in high school. Look at his numbers. He was a prolific passer. Accuracy was his strong suit, by the way, as a QB. Put up huge numbers. He's a perfect fit for this system. Now, listen, I'm really excited about Joe Milton, but I just think in this era, when you're looking at not just injuries now or erratic play, you know, we just saw in the Texas-Oklahoma game, we, we saw Spencer Rattler get benched and then come back and lead his team to a triple overtime win. That just happens with first-time starting quarterbacks. And now there's illness. Now there's COVID-19, one positive test, and you're basically done for half the season. 21 days, three weeks. At, at some point, given all of those variables, it is likely we're going to see meaningful, not just mop-up, but meaningful snaps from Cade McNamara. And I think every team in college football this year that has aspirations better know and trust who its backup quarterback is. Number seven, I think you're going to see Michigan's running game is going to be better than last season. I know that may seem counterintuitive to many of you, given the amount of offensive linemen Michigan just put in the NFL and the shuffling up there, but Michigan was only like 71st in the country in run blocking efficiency last year. And so I I think with a better completion percentage at quarterback, I think with the stable of running backs Michigan has. And now Christian Turner's opted back in, so you're really going five deep. Now, if you want, you have the prized freshman Blake Corum. He's your fourth string running back. Chris Evans is back. Hassan Haskins, who really came on last year. And now you're going to get a fully healthy Zach Charbonnet, not a guy coming off of a knee scope his senior year in high school and then uh, re-injured that knee and fought through it last year as a freshman. With that stable of backs and given how well Michigan has recruited in the offensive line, I I can't see how they'll be worse running the football last year, especially if Joe Milton is more of a threat at quarterback. And here's hoping he will be. Um, Number six. I think you're going to see Michigan play more zone defense than ever before this year under Don Brown. Vincent Gray is your clear number one corner, but I don't think anybody thinks he's any kind of a shutdown. This is this is not Levert Hill, David Long, Jordan Lewis, any kind of a player like that. I think you know he's more in your Andre Weathers mold. If you if you're a bit of an old timer now like me, I think he's a great number two corner. I don't think he's a number one corner at all. And I think they're still trying to figure out: do they have a lockdown corner for this year? Uh, they just moved Sammy Faustin from safety to corner late in camp, so there, there's clearly some shuffling going on there. Now the safeties they have might be the best safety duo in the Big Ten with Brad Hawkins and future first-rounder Dax Hill. And when you've got that kind of speed and athleticism back there playing the outfield, play more zone, let those guys use their athleticism to make up ground on the ball in the air. And with the new coaches on defense and Brian Jean-Marie, uh, as well as the uh, the former defensive coordinator at Mississippi State and Tennessee, I think you're going to see more zone defense than ever before from Don Brown this year. Number six. I'm sorry, number five. I think you're going to see Michigan beat Michigan State by two touchdowns or more for a third consecutive season, which has not happened since 1981 through 1983. That's how long it has been since Michigan has taken Sparty behind the woodshed three years in a row. But I think you're going to see it happen again this year. In fact, I think the only thing that can prevent it from happening is COVID. 
And I could see that being a Sparty move. Oh, we just can't play this week. Too many COVID positives. Actually, come to think of it, maybe that should have been my prediction. Number four on my list of top 10 things we will or won't see this season. I think either Aiden Hutchison or Quiddy Pay are going to become the first Wolverine since Brandon Graham a decade ago to reach double figures in sacks. And yes, even in a shortened season. I think those two guys are both looking at long and successful NFL careers. By the way, a quick side note on Brandon Graham. I mean, go back and look at how dominant he was. And that was a decade ago on historically bad Michigan defenses when it was basically Brandon Graham against the world. Incredible. I mean, he's got to go down as one of the great defensive players Michigan's had in the modern era. But I think you can't double team either Payer Hutchinson and you can't afford not to. It's really pick your poison. And I think one, if not both of those guys are going to get off for double figures and sacks. Next on our top 10 list, we're down to the top three. Indiana will end the nation's longest consecutive series losing streak when the Hoosiers finally beat Michigan for the first time since 1987. That's how long it's been. It's the longest consecutive series drought of domination, one team over another. Now, last year, notwithstanding, when we got to play Indiana without Michael Penix, and I'm presuming we won't get to do that this year. Indiana, Michigan has played with fire in the Harbaugh era against the Hoosiers. They could easily be 3-1 and one against Jim Harbaugh, okay? But, um, no, 4-1 and one against Jim Harbaugh. But um, Michigan has found a way. But this year, I think Indiana has the playmaker at quarterback. They've got a, a, a phenomenal threat on the outside in Wapfillier, a playmaking tight end if they can keep him out of the out of, out of uh, uh, off-field problems. I love the duo at running back. And it's early in the year. I think Indiana, unfortunately, ambushes Michigan and gets the Wolverines for the first time in a long, long time and ends decades of misery. Prediction number two for this coming season. Michigan's not going to beat Ohio State again. So, yeah. And then our final prediction. I think Michigan will lose at least three games as it has every season under Jim Harbaugh. In fact, I think the Wolverines are going to start one and two. They're going to lose their two toughest road games this year early on at Minnesota week one, at Indiana week three. Well, Steve, what about Ohio State? The game's in Columbus, isn't it? Well, yes, but I don't count that game. The game's not on my radar anymore. It doesn't exist. So Michigan's two toughest road games, I think they lose them to Indiana and Minnesota and then go on a bit of a run before the annual game, which shall not be named. Uh, with the annual scourging, embarrassing, emasculating punishment that has Michigan fans reeling and ashamed. Happens at the end of the season, which again, shall not be named. Speaking of which, we found him, our favorite rational Ohio State fan, Mark Rogers. He's going to give us his take on Michigan's upcoming football season here in a moment. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2061 odds plus 
2,061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comments section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball and baseball we absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in major league baseball and we gave out those picks each and every day so if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Go there now and you can support what we do here at Michigan podcast and then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there. The hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you join their ranks and make a little money on the side. Maybe patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Time for this week's 10-Minute War, our homage to the great 10-year war between Woody and Bo, as we get the view from the other side of the scarlet and gray septic tank with our good friend and the voice of college football, who himself has a phenomenal YouTube channel, Mark Rogers. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Steve. Good to see you as well. Always good to talk to the few, the proud, the reasonable and not insane Ohio State fan. Of course... I would be one of the many self-loathing Michigan fans at the moment, but we've earned that self-loathing after the last 15 years. Uh, We're doing our season preview this week. I want to get, though, first and foremost, your big picture view. Where, you know, your fellow Ohio Stater Kirk Herbstreet was on game day this weekend, waxing poetic, you know, Jim Harbaugh's building a program. You wouldn't want anybody else coaching here. And I don't know how to take that. You know, on a personal level, I love me some Jim Harbaugh, but as a fan, I've kind of lost hope at the same time. So I'm really, I'm kind of all torn up inside, frankly, Mark. And so I don't know if Herbie's kind of doing the whole uh, po' boy act. Yeah, I mean, you guys uh, keep losing to us by 50 every Saturday, uh, every year. We're we're kind of happy with how things are going, or if he's really sincere that he sees signs of hope. Because what I see, Mark, is a program that is stuck in college football's friend zone, Right. Like, we're, we're really close to the hot chick, the hot guy. And this time, when they call us at midnight on a Saturday, it's not going to be to be a sounding board. It's going to be because they want something more, and it's never because they want something more. It's always to be the sounding board. You don't get out of the friend zone, man. Can we get, can this program get out of the friend zone, Mark? Well, I just know that Michigan's playing really good football against everybody else for the most part, except Ohio State. So if you take away the Ohio State domination, I don't see a a big difference between the Michigan program under Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan program under Lloyd Carr. But once you're able to hang that national championship trophy, then people seem to forget everything else for a long period of time. And that seems to be the calling card that everybody looks to. And for good reason. That's why everybody's out there playing or should be is to win a national championship. But to compare Jim Harbaugh's tenure versus Lloyd Carr's, I don't see much of a difference. And I find myself as an Ohio State fan defending Harbaugh almost on a daily basis. I bet you do. 
I think the I, program I, is in a good place. Uh, listen, dude, we're buddies, okay? But I got to call BS. Saying, hey, I don't see much difference other than the most important game of the year is like Mary Todd Lincoln thinking, you know, all those other trips we made to the Ford Theater worked out great. If it weren't for this one last trip we made to the Ford Theater, I mean, life was great. Every other time we went there, we had a great time at the Ford Theater. It's kind of an important game, Mark, isn't it? That's how I grew up. It was the game and still is, even though it hasn't turned into much of a game in the last 15 years. I convinced my son or tried to each and every November that, man, this, this is what it's all about. And I'm still nervous about this thing. But Jim Harbaugh has had to deal with the Urban Meyer slash Ryan Day Ohio State program. These other Michigan coaches, starting even with Bo, uh, certainly he had to deal with it during the early stages of his career versus Woody. Uh, but then it was Earl Bruce and John Cooper on through and did not have to deal with this stage, this elite status of Ohio State football, where they're winning 90 plus percent of their game. So bad timing on Jim Harbaugh's part, but he's taking on a monster and he's delivering what Michigan coaches have delivered in the past. You know, the, the other thing that's changed, too, are, there aren't any more shared championships. Okay, I mean, from from 1969 to 19, 2000, from 1969 to 2004, Michigan had 12 shared Big Ten championships, and in in amongst those 12, 2004 lost to Ohio State. Okay, um, you, I mean, there were 1998 lost to Ohio State. Uh, there there were several of those years where you know 1970, 71 lost to Ohio State. There were lots of those years where Michigan lost to Ohio State but still shared a Big Ten championship. You you just can't share Big Ten championships anymore. And with the exception of the extreme outlier that 2018 almost was, where if Maryland converts that two-point conversion at the end of the game, Michigan wins the the division without having to to beat Ohio State and then probably goes and wins the Big Ten championship, right? Okay, but Maryland didn't convert that two-point conversion. So barring an extreme outlier that didn't even happen, like 2018, you're pretty much going to have to beat the other team to get, each team is, to beat the other to get to where you ultimately want to go. And you just don't get to share championships anymore. And I think that and with the playoff, it just feels like for fan bases at the level of a Michigan and Ohio State that it's almost championship or bust every year. The only acceptable consolation prize mark appears to be uh, if you get to a New Year's Six Bowl. And then anything other than that kind of feels like college football's NIT these days. Am I wrong? Well, I'm going to jump on your side of the argument for this one point, and it has to do with money. So when Les Miles was fired at LSU and Mark Richt at Georgia, I was asked, as you were, I'm sure at the time, should they have been fired? Look at their winning record. Look at the championships that they contend for in the SEC. And of course, Les Miles had a national championship at LSU, and Mark Richt came oh so close. But are they being paid? How are they being paid? So am I judging them to be good fo- college football coaches doing a nice job at those universities? Absolutely. But they're being paid top three to five money in the nation, as Jim Harbaugh is. Therefore, the expectation is not run a nice program and win nine games per season. It's let's win championships, compete for championships on a regular basis and break through and win them. So the time's ticking for Jim Harbaugh because he's being paid at an elite level to win championships. So before you came on, I laid out my top 10 crystal ball predictions 
for the 2020 Michigan football season. There's three that you want to zero in on. So let's look at those three one by one. Uh, one of the ones you want to zero in on, my prediction that Joe Milton will surpass the 56.1% completion percentage that Shea Patterson had last season, which would be one of the worst of any quarterback uh, for a ranked team. I mean, that's, that is very, very subpar by today's college football. All right. So, so why did that stat catch your eye? That stat caught my eye for a number of reasons, because uh, weeks prior, I went back and looked at Joe Milton as a prospect and just was curious about his high school stats. And I was confounded to see a 47% completion percentage in high school. So I believe your question is, is he going to surpass Shea Patterson's 56% completion percentage? I don't know, but I believe that he better because Michigan finishing with a 9-3 and regular season record in 2019 with a quarterback completing 56% of his passes is a bit of an aberration here. You know, we're in the era of pitch-and-catch football. Yeah. Well, these teams are so well. You can you can do that when you've got ten guys on your team that are on NFL rosters right now. That shows you how talented that team were, was last year. That they overcame that. I mean, that is that is that is average at the most important position in the sport in this day and age. And they still got to nine wins because of the talent that they had around Shea Patterson last season. And Joe Milton didn't have that kind of talent around him in high school. So uh, I I think he's going to get past fifty six percent. The issue, though, is he's got to be at at least a 60% passer given today's game, and i that's the stat. That's the part I don't know about. Well, to your point here, Steve, I looked it over, and Shea Patterson had a completion percentage that ranked 101st in the nation out of 114 qualifiers. Wow. So there were 13 worse, 100 better. Uh, and this current season, this current college football season, we have 73 qualifiers for the passer rating. 63 are better than 56.2%, wow. 10 worse. The top 20 in completion percentage this year have a record. Their team's record is 37 and 13. The bottom, or if you take everyone under Shea Patterson's completion percentage from 2019 this year, their record is 15 and 21. So, yes. Michigan overcame Shea Patterson's inability to complete passes at a standard rate in college football, which the new bar, I think, is around 65 percent. It's amazing what these guys are completing now across the country. All right. The next point that you wanted to zero in on that uh, prediction I made earlier is that Michigan's running game will actually be better than last season. Now, that that may seem crazy to people that note, you know, all the offensive linemen Michigan just put into the NFL. But even with those guys, I think we were like 71st in the nation in run blocking efficiency. So when you look at the stable of backs Michigan has, I think it's the deepest stable of backs that Michigan has had. Uh, I mean, it's been quite a while. I mean, we're talking like when guys like Ed Davis was their fourth string tailback in the early 90s, the kind of depth they have this year and the way they've recruited there. I don't think I don't I don't see how they could be any worse than 71st in run blocking efficiency. I, I think they can only get better. Now, it might not be top 10. It might be 61st, 51st, but I think it's going to be better than in the 70 percentile. But what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, if Bo hasn't rolled over in his grave for about 18 other reasons, he's going to roll over in his grave over these stats, 77th in the nation in rushing. I'm not going to the advanced metrics, but the standard metrics at 151 rushing yards per game, 89th in yards per carry. They couldn't run it against the teams that they lost to. 
you know, namely Wisconsin, 2.1 yards per carry. Michigan State, even in a big win, 2.4 yards per carry against Sparty. So they were at three and a half or less against just about everyone. Surprisingly, they beat up Notre Dame uh, in that big win against the Irish and even against Alabama. They ran the ball, ran the ball pretty well, but ran it against mostly the bad teams and couldn't run it against the quality teams on the schedule. So. I play up to the offensive line a lot. We, uh, we like to talk the freakish athletes on the outside and the quarterbacks and the running backs, but I, I try to give maybe uh, lean the playing field toward the offensive line on Mark Rogers TV, the voice of college football, a little bit much because I feel bad for those guys. And I think the offensive line unit is the most important on the field. And this is what causes me hesitancy in saying the ground game is going to be better, but I do believe it's going to be better. The offensive line, you've got shuffling up front. Jalen Mayfield, your best guy, I believe, has still decided to opt out. Nope, he's and back then, in. He's back in. No, okay, so he's back in. So this helps my argument because my final point was going to be exactly what you were starting to allude to, Steve, is that the running back depth and development was an issue coming into 2019 where Zach Charbonnet uh, was relied on for 33 carries and had to be a workhorse early in the season against Army. And then I remember basically, watching that yeah. basically screwed up his knee. He, had, he came into his, his college with a knee injury in high school. And that workload early in the year basically had him playing at about 70% the rest of the season because of what you're talking about right there. Yeah. So minus Chris Evans going into 2019 and with Charbonnet having to carry such a, a load as a freshman and with Hassan Haskins for most of us being a complete off-the-radar player as a recruited running back, switched to linebacker. Now he comes back as a running back. I remember watching the Illinois game thinking, who is this guy? Love this guy. I I quickly became a fan of Hassan Haskins at uh, five yards a carry, 5.1. Charbonnet scored 11 touchdowns. So you bring those two guys back after they've developed through all those reps you get Chris Evans possibly back in the mix, and you got uh, True Wilson as well coming off a nice five yards per carry season. Freshman and Blake Corum is a big time. That was a big time recruit. You're going to see a lot of him this year okay. too. Okay, yeah. So I do like the development of the guys that are already there and the depth. Even though the offensive line seems to be in a bit of a shuffle, having lost all that talent to the NFL, so I say better running game in 2020 than in 19. See, I think the run game efficiency and the completion percentage numbers, I think they're symbiotic. I think because uh, not until the very end of the year was Shea Patterson a consistent threat to throw the ball downfield on early downs that teams got to gang up on the running game. And then when teams ganged up on the running game, like you saw in the Iowa game early in the year, we could not complete throws down the field. And so that just becomes a vicious cycle, right? And so I, I think those two stats m- most of last year were kind of symbiotic and and. Uh, led to each other's uh, uh, worst outcomes. All right, the the final prediction that I made for 2020 that you want to talk about this fall is what? The Michigan State series. So obviously this is the game for Michigan State. Pardon the pun about the game, not necessarily being it for Michigan versus Michigan State. Uh, I placed a ton of trust in Mark Antonio. And for the first half of his tenure, he certainly pulled through and dominated this series, but then the decline of the program, Michigan's taken back over as by far uh, the superior program in that state. Now Mel Tucker takes over a very difficult situation at Michigan State in comparison to the division in which they play. So 
being a first year head coach is always a difficult task. Uh, but even com uh, you know, multiplied by this COVID situation with no spring practice, difficulty in communicating with your team, building relationships, terminology, all the things. And of course, they're going to have a few games to play uh, before they take on Michigan. But we're talking about a top 15 to 20 team versus a top 45 to 50 team. So I think the streak continues. Michigan's much better. They win 31-13. Finally, Mark, I am predicting Michigan starts the year one and two. Um, uh, loses the opener at Minnesota. I just fans are not. Michigan doesn't win games at night on the road against ranked teams. That that's been well established. So I think they lose that opener. Plus, I think there's a matchup problem uh, for Michigan with uh, those receivers for Minnesota against a really young and and so and, and completely untested group of corners. Um, so I think they lose that opener at Minnesota, come back, destroy Michigan State, and then I think they lose at Indiana. I think Indiana gets Michigan for the first time since 1987. Last year notwithstanding, Michigan's played with fire against the Hoosiers. We didn't have to play Michael Penix last year. Presumably we will this year. And then I think Michigan goes on a bit of a run before they take their annual beating to Ohio State and finishes 5-3. and three provided Rutgers doesn't cause us to lose a game because they can't handle COVID. What are your thoughts in terms of a prediction for Michigan? I have yet to make my official Big Ten predictions. Need to go through the schedule and the whole deal. But certainly, uh, I did see your uh, poll on Twitter, and I answered five and three. That was my uh, gut reaction to, okay, I generally know what the schedule is. I'm not going to try to predict um, uh, bounce backs and how particular games could affect other games. But just to a straight shot on what I know the schedule to be and the opponents five and three with, of course, that wild card weekend coming up uh, championship weekend in the Big Ten. It'll be interesting to see who matches up against whom in that. Then that five and three record for me then squarely puts your boy Jimbo on the hot seat for 2021, safe for this year. And then 2021, that one in which people will really say, OK, you need to deliver now. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Always appreciate it, Steve. A great way to stay up to date with our latest thoughts and coverage of the Michigan Wolverines is to check out our website, Wolverine Digest, part of the SI Network. That's myself, Michael Spath, Brandon Brown, Eric Rutter, and the whole team at Wolverine Digest covering everything, maize and blue, whether it's the latest football news, recruiting, college basketball on the horizon as well. And analysis is our thing. That's our jam. And because we are not beholden to anybody at the school to get access for breaking information, we got a little bit more freedom than maybe some others do to see things more from you and we, the fans' perspective. So check us out each day online at WolverineDigest.com. This week's Twitter poll, we asked you, what do you think Michigan's 2020 football record will be this season? 16% of you said 7-1. 36.2% of you said 6-2. 35.6% of you, narrowly in second place, agree with me, 5-4. And 11.6% and of you hate your life and have Michigan at 4-4, four four, which I will hate mine if that occurs. All right, this week's question of the week. Comes from Mike D'Amico. It's not so much a question as much as a statement of fact. 
whatever amount of wins Michigan has, it will be at least one more win than the Corona Bros got this fall. You know, the uh, cachet, the cadre of insipid sports writers across the country like Pete Thamel and others who made it their mission to cancel college football this season and weren't able to do it anywhere. You're right, the Corona Bros, uh, they went over. So even if Michigan wins one game this year, they'll have 100% more wins than the Corona Bros. Thank you for ending this thing on a positive note. Next week, it is game week. Michigan opens up with a rivalry game for the Little Brown Jug. Talk about some personalities, Jim Harbaugh and P.J. Fleck. Go head-to-head for the season opener. We're going to break it all down right here on Michigan Podcast. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Also, check out our website, wolverinedigest.com, to stay up to date on all the latest news and opinion on Michigan sports. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, no matter how you are getting Michigan Podcast every week, and share this with all the Michigan fans you know. Until next week, finally, game week. I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.